work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House Lights Down, welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Yes, hello. <laughs> this is Jim Anger. I mean, I'm not Jim Anger. The, the hello <laughs> was from oh, Jim Anger. Oh, oh. Um, and he's the person that we're we're postmorteming, I guess. Mm-hmm. Postmorteming the 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 sermonic stylings. Stylings. You're doing great, is that baby. What they say sermonic stylings. The kids say the, it. The like yeah. the sermon is a styling. Yes. It, styling is like a descriptive adverb, right? No, like the stylings of oh. the vocal stylings of. I see. I see. So the Jim Anger stylings sermonic stylings. James Anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this through. You took me to a, a concert for the first time in forever. I um, did. Last week. At, there were no house lights down. I was like, this isn't a true concert. Well, we came during the opening act. Oh, yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. The house uh, lights he, had he already actually, been he turned did, down. He did. Serge did say, like, turn the lights down bring, at one point. Bring the lights down. What did he say? Yeah, for an acoustic number. This was Marat, a classic underdog Philly band playing at Underground Arts this past Saturday, a holiday Christmas reunion special and there was a poignant acoustic number in the middle of the set where Dave said bring the house lights down more in an obvious reference to the post Sunday blues oh, preacher yeah. postmortem yeah. hi he's, Dave he's listening um Serge is the one who should be listening cuz his podcast you know died right i was a i was an avid listener to this ex life that's true <laughs> Emily likes a couple bands of mine based on their podcast accoutrements. <laughs> he he talked to his ex-wife every week and you know maybe that's where I got the the idea that I would be a good podcast partner with you. <laughs> <laughs> so this other podcast was a podcast of two people that had divorced doing a marriage postmortem for the sake of the audience. It was on the Disney early Di- Disney podcast network. Didn't seem like a very Disney friendly. I don't think show. it was the Disney. I think they were indie. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was writing for Disney at the time, but well, I don't think it was um I don't think Disney would own that one. Either way, Helen Wolves, <laughs> if Emily and I ever break up, chances are low that we'll keep doing a podcast. No, I'm going to insist on it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of House Lights Down, that's mm-hmm. the intro to this podcast where I describe the podcast. I, I think we've sufficiently done that. We have. Um, so we're moving on to call it a stormy Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, why this sermon and why this Sunday? You set this sermon up with a long story. <laughs> I did. And actually, I, I actually like when you start with long stories. Yes. It, um, <clears throat> I think I think you had the audience this week. All right. Well, let, let's hold off on Mr. Drago. What? 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 Until <laughs> you are the one who gets to like... To, muddying um, the waters. Oh, okay, fine, fine, fine. But you're right. So I did tell a story about my Latin teacher, Mr. Drago, <laughs> at the very beginning of the sermon. Uh, what I was feeling this past week. So this is the fourth or fifth time I've preached on the visit of the Magi or the wise men to the child Jesus in Matthew chapter two. And I know that you remember all of those four or five sermons very distinctly (laughs) in your mind. (laughs) 
But this has always been a hard passage for me to preach because on one hand, it's super common. And then on the other hand, the, the takeaways are obvious stuff like you should worship Jesus too, or Gentiles are included in God's kingdom, both very important and true things for our lives. But people have heard it before, including from this passage. So I felt the burden of, I guess Waterloo is too strong of a word because I haven't actually been destroyed by this passage before, but it has been in the back of my mind that, man, I've preached on this on this story a lot and it's never gone super well. So feeling a little bit of that. With a lot of the Advent stories, actually, I would assume, because they're, it's just one, it's one long story and you break it apart every Christmas. There's not really anything else that's equivalent except like Jesus's death and resurrection, which is yeah, <laughs> right, kind of more central. Yeah, that, that's true. That's a little bit of preacher talk when people struggle as pastors to figure out what to say to make it new year, year after it, year. Yeah. And if there's four gospels narrative accounts of Jesus' life, if there's only two point five Advent stories. It's Matthew and Luke. Mark doesn't have one at all. You could treat the intro to John's gospel in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God as its own kind of Advent story, kind of, but not really. So there's really a very small number of passages to be able to draw from, but I didn't want to avoid this one. Sure. No, I mean, you actually, you, instead of avoiding it, you made it part of the title of the sermon series. I put in the work. Yes. (laughs) What what is the title (laughs) of the sermon series? Wise guys, wise guys, wise men and Emmanuel. Okay. So who are the wise guys? Wise guys are people like Herod. Oh, got it. And then the wise men are from this passage, and Emmanuel is Jesus. So sorry, I needed the breakdown. <laughs> my 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 sermon title game is strong for yeah. the sermon series. I think. Yeah, except that I didn't get it, but I, well, I okay. You know, if I had really given it some my, thought, my more sermon than five seconds. my sermon titles are not a democracy. <laughs> you used to not have them. That's true. That was back in the day when you had to like put the individual letters up on the sign right that was horrible (laughs) you decided i'm not gonna have sermon titles now now you have super long ones there's too many w's we probably sermon titles on signs had to make an an mw don't grow a church okay oh yeah the mw (laughs) sure okay moving on though like actually it does make me it reminds me of um we also saw our daughter dance in the Nutcracker this week. Oh yeah, um, the the I'd Nutty Nutcracker, the Nutcracker, which before. is an updated version, and I actually like love watching it again because I I remembered our daughters dancing as the little lollipops and bonbon mm-hmm. girls, and now they're one of them is um, one of the big girls, and I think it's like this beautiful thing to like go every year and watch them grow and re- have a moment to reflect so maybe some people like going to advent sermons every week every year and having the same effect well the flip side is that i and other members of the anger family while loving seeing children of ours perform in the nutcracker i am deadly tired of the nutcracker it is not one of a couple different ballet choices for the christmas season it is the only one and if if i ever go I ever become a serial killer, it's going to be the Nutcracker songs that are going through my head <laughs> on my killing spree. So some might, some people might think that about the wise man story. So that's what you were trying to avoid. <laughs> I see. Right. I just want everybody to be safe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that that d- deeper dive. So what is the message if you're trying to make it fresh and um, you're you're trying to make people not poke their eyes out with pencils? Right. 
so going from Call It Stormy Monday to Sun Studios, I was burdened that people would access this passage in such a way as to be pushed again. So wanting Christmas uh, to push us, whether we're coming into the season as Christians, as seekers, as skeptics, this isn't just a warm, fuzzy passage, but there's a lot more here. And I wanted also to make sure that we got to Christmas making a difference missionally in people's lives at the end of the sermon, too. So, Sun Studios-wise, present to the Lord, uh, a common practice for preaching a common text is that you try to problematize it. You try to find stuff that may not be obvious at first reading or take something that's well-known and put a slightly different spin on it. Not rocket science, just trying to figure out how to do something a little bit different again. And that was my, that was my interpretive grid going into the sermon so that I could figure out how to make it, how to make it feel fresh. So the, at one level, um, the story is a Game of Thrones, a competition of, of kings, as I said. Uh, who, who is the true king? So everybody knows that the wise men are coming to worship Jesus, the baby king, in the midst of King Herod kind of fluttering around. But I, it was striking to me, and all the commentaries that I read picked this up one way or another, how at the beginning paragraph of the story, after the characters are introduced, pretty much every time Herod is called king. So it's not just anybody. It's not just Herod. It's King Herod. But then it's the wise men that ask, who is he who has been born king of the Jews? Right. And that's a dramatic irony, I think, where the audience knows Herod was just kind of a puppet king installed by Rome to do Rome's bidding and for Herod to be allowed to have a little fun on the side in sadistic ways. But everybody knows that Herod is not born king, but this other one is. So who is the true king in this passage? Who is a true king in our world? Who is the true king in our lives? That was one level of trying to bring out a little more nuance from the text. Right. Um, I see that. I also, like, you're pointing out that these wise men were not just, um, they weren't kings themselves, but they were the, the astrologers of the day. Right. So that, that was an interesting twist that maybe our, um, I, I, even looking outside at the nativity scene outside the church, outside our window. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's like a celebration of the wise men in the terms of like thinking of these royal kings, but... Right. Um, you were pointing out that that they aren't true kings at all. Yeah. So the flip side of who is a true king and then problematizing the text some more, trying to figure out how to bake some surprises into the sermon. So at, at one level, and Emma, if I could use you as a focus group audience here, the, the wise men, very strong evidence, uh, pretty much no biblical scholars believe that they were kings mm -hmm. in any sense of the word that translates today. Right. Uh, wise men, magi, astrologers. And, and with our eyes, like what, like astrologers today wouldn't be considered wise, like even, even if... Well, that's true. Yeah, so yeah. that's an interesting kind of, thing Kind too. of quacks the cops finally busted Madame Marie on the boardwalk for telling fortunes better than they do. Little Bruce Springsteen for... Our, our listeners there as Emily stares at me. She's not sure if she's uh, intrigued and amused by me or, or puzzled. You know me so well. there we go. The, yeah. So, so Em, was it, did it work for you talking about the wise men in surprise either as not being Kings or because astrology was so frowned upon 
from the perspective of the scriptures that they were bad guys like were those did those catch your ear or eye yeah for sure i think that i mean that's that's part of why i brought it up yeah, okay <laughs> just double checking <laughs> our marriage that, is about over communication yeah that that mode of um thinking about uh, about what a king is i think that it is interesting to like think about what the world thinks thinks a king is and there's probably different time periods or different cultures that are celebrating yeah uh someone like an astrologer but like from our eyes at least my eyes maybe i shouldn't even say that not to step on toes but um like someone who's following astrology um, and wandering around and like pursuing a star from afar. That doesn't sound like the most wise thing. Yeah. I, I don't, if Josiah decided to do that instead of college, like what would we think? Right. So I think that it's, I think that scripture continues to surprise and, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, um, so maybe the wise men were wise guys after all. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Sermon series title. Like and, an onion. So and many then, layers. like the next, you also um, used worship as the other surprising word that was in the text. Yeah, right. So, worship is a motif over and over again. Where is the Christ child? Where is the child so that we might worship him? Said authentically by the wise men and then disingenuously by, by Herod. But even though we've seen in nativity scenes for so long that, of course, the shepherds and the wise men. Even little baby animals know somehow that they should bow down and worship worship Jesus. But that's not usually how it happened. Tribute is paid, but worship is not given, except here, and especially against the backdrop of a Jewish audience, when it's positively portrayed that this Jesus is worshipped. That's pretty mind-blowing for a Jewish person that was told to worship God and God alone. Right, right. And, um, and yet they did, and yet... Here it is in scripture. So, yeah. Um, can we move on to muddying the waters? As you, as you know, you have one more thing. One Go for it. One other thing. So, just a little tidbit. It was fun to be able to piggyback on the sermon that I preached in November about scripture. So, general revelation versus special revelation. This was a little bit of a Bible nerd thing, but also trying to reinforce from some theor- theological categories that we've talked about as part of the Represence Initiative this fall. It was said well by a couple of commentaries the stars will get you to jerusalem but the scriptures get you to bethlehem so thinking about stars in terms of natural common or general revelation Hmm. but we need scripture to complement uh what what we see what we see in nature so that that was fun to to go with and and what's your take on the star natural occurrence or supernatural occurrence I'm in camp, it doesn't matter, <laughs> which is, I think, the camp you were, you were saying you were in. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I'm not that into the That's not esoteric. your part of Bible trivia braid. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's Other fine. members of your family, however. It's true. <laughs> um, and it's fine. If it, I don't know. It's not the people who like to analyze text that way. I, it could be fun, I guess. Sure. could be fun okay muddying the waters yes but i think that connects like when you think about um the special versus common revelation i i see you trying to muddy the waters and address Mm -hmm. our our time period uh same with the wise men um and worship concept like what are we worshiping and Mm -hmm. also the first thing you said what was it oh king who who is true king right like i i see those things i see you trying to address the context but why don't you spell it out for us well first of all thank you that you see me and then secondly (laughs) 
all of those surprises are being leveraged for the purpose of not getting too comfortable, which brings us back to Mr. Drago. Right. Why did we? Why could we not start with him? I don't understand. Because, because that was muddying the waters, building context. So first the text and so then the why context. Why don't you like bring the context before the text? And also I was just Rhetoric. like, I was trying Acting. to, I know I was trying to like, like softball in with like the discussion of your narrative which was like how you started the sermon but then no you had this whole other structure in mind with okay if <laughs> if you're a mortician or doing an autopsy you don't necessarily go in the order in which somebody was when born. did you go to mortician school <laughs> it's just a hobby <laughs> it's an avocation uh Mr. Drago. Mr. Drago. Claire, we told you, you asked Clara about the story and then realized she was in Liberty Kids and not listened to your sermon. So then this morning, Clara wanted to hear the story. This was so the I just... first sermon playback for any of our kids. <laughs> it was a momentous morning She's in the Anger household. Chewing on her bagel, making faces as you like, as you um, rehash the Mr. Drago story again. So I got to listen to it afresh. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually like it. I, I don't know. You're a good storyteller. What can I say? Yeah. So, so you would. How much of that information about Mr. Drago was new to you? Because I've talked about my favorite teacher to you mm. a good bit over the years. I think I knew all of it. Okay. But I probably didn't remember. I didn't. I don't think I could have like pulled it the couch story from my head if, mm -hmm. if you asked me to. But when you told it, I still remembered it. So I feel like it's one of your go tos. Mr. Draco. He was yeah. formative yeah. in your life. Yeah, very, very formative. When <laughs> when we were in Rome last month, um, we spent some time retracing our the steps that I took with Mr. Drago through Rome uh, when he took us there, uh, took a group of high school students way back in the day, including finding his favorite restaurant where we also ate a few meals, Il Tulipano Nero, the black tulip. <laughs> Did he actually, He were you telling me that he spoke Latin like... <laughs> Yeah, he was one of the <laughs> very small subset of Latin teachers and scholars who was actually fluent in Latin. Like people Spoiler in college, alert, it is a dead language. Yeah, so people you're not in college Latin to speak. Like would intentionally choose classical languages like Latin in order to avoid having having right. the uh, language drills. The Rossius <laughs> method. That's right. So um, Latin, Latin as spoken was he's he's old school. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. And, In many ways. Right. So and, go ahead, baby. And formative. Yes. So like, yeah, how did you come to the story or what, what was going on behind that? Well, I was just trying to figure out if I was trying to leverage the surprise of the text, not wanting us to get too comfortable. I just went through the mental Rolodex of, hey, is there anything from my own past history where I could tell a story about not getting too comfortable and Jeff plopping on the couch was the one that came to mind. This sermon was, again, a little bit longer than usual. I, I did go back myself and skim through the audio version of the sermon to figure out why it was longer. I think it was the introduction, the it was the introduction yeah. that was longer. I, cut, I felt it, but I thought it was, I thought it was good. Like, I, I don't know. I think storytelling at the beginning... You really had the audience. Like, I, I don't think I've heard laughter like that in a while. Like, people were listening. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's just my okay. take. You can write in Holland Wolves if you disagree and you think that you'd rather have started brunch earlier. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. <laughs> Five minutes earlier. Yeah, so, so the extra length was related to... 
Very needing long to, story. To, to build out enough of a story that the don't get too comfortable punchline actually had some punch. So mm-hmm. if it was just a much abbreviated, hey, I had this really hard teacher in school. His name was yeah. Mr. Drago. One time Jeff sat on the couch and Mr. Drago said, don't get too comfortable. Yeah. Wasn't that great? It wouldn't work. Yeah, it wouldn't have popped. Yeah. So I, I just figured that we'd go ahead and build out that story a little bit more. And part of that too, I'm going back to what I said earlier about this, this passage historically being a difficult one for me. I wanted to make sure that I had a hook that I felt would work. So that necessitated the longer intro. Yeah. I, I, again, I think that it's interesting that story does, this is a tangent, but story, (laughs) story for human humans, like from age two onward, um, something about telling stories in order to communicate about a, a bigger principle of human, human life. Like, I think that's one of the things that draws you to believing in God where, yeah, story seems so resonant and the Bible is so full of stories that really are speaking. So I, I don't mind sitting with a story and like, I think it's more memorable that way. Yeah. If you just started with, um, if you didn't tell a story, I don't think this sermon's as memorable. Yeah. James Salter, American author, wrote a book called Light Years in which one of the characters said, stories fill us like the sun. And I, I, th- I think they do. And that's sometimes when I talk about I'll use the phrase Christian story as a synonym for Christianity. And, mm-hmm. and while I'll talk about Christianity as the Christian story, that doesn't mean to imply that it's a fairy tale a or not a true story or right. fiction. But instead, trying to portray the truth of Christianity in what it really is, if you go back to the scriptures, in, in narrative form. It's the true story of true stories. And then even in terms of human motivation and why we do what we do, how we interpret our own reality, what story we tell ourselves around what's going on about ourselves and our world. That's what's determinative for how we react. So not a coincidence that there is a story told at the beginning of the sermon. Yeah. And one last plug, like the Jesus Storybook Bible that um, sure. that is used during Advent season by some of the families here at Liberty Collingswood, mm-hmm. just that uh, the stories of, of, the, of the Hebrew Bible um, – all are leading part or all are pointing to Jesus in this, in this beautiful yeah, way. So skillful. Um, and the then like moving outward that art, we're part of that story too. Yeah. So um, I like it. Um, and your high school friends are ridiculous. <laughs> and Jeff plopped. <laughs> <laughs> I was texting Jeff last week. I, I should text him about, Hey, I used you in a sermon, but or not, I probably won't. Yeah, I mean, you could. I'm, I'm reading a biography right now of Saul Bellow, Henderson the Rain King, for those that have followed my servants for a long time. What is that story? The And apparently Saul Bellow would, throughout his writing life, which was age, his late teens until he died, he would, in his fiction, appropriate stories and real life friends and use them as very lightly disguised characters so every time Bella would publish a short story or a novel he'd lose a couple friends because they were they were stolen I don't think that's even like only him like I think that's a lot of authors maybe all of them yeah well (laughs) I think that's true at least the author of this biography is saying that that, specifically 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 kind of caustic yeah right so (laughs) right Something like secrets and faults, you know, right? Mistresses, Not, yeah, bad it, financial in dealings. In this story, I actually commend 
Jeff for being the one to to like. What flop. a rebel! Yeah, I would have been more. I would have celebrated that, like <laughs> instead of make, making fun of him personally. Yeah, it was high school. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other contexts that you see yourself engaging as you like led into the story, as you um, and we've kind of teased it out. I feel like yeah. the the three sections. Um, sure. I I will say I'm towards the end. One of the ways that I deployed the question of who is the true king. Jesus is the true king, trying to say towards the end of the sermon that Jesus gives and Herod takes. So understanding that when we come under King Jesus, uh, because he died and rose again for us, he gives, he forgives, he gathers. And Herod is somebody that takes. He tries to take Jesus' life. Mm -hmm. In this story, he'll try to do it again when he kills all of the Israelite boys under two at the end of Matthew chapter two. And then another Herod with Pilate and with the Jewish elite. So then taking Jesus life. So then just in contrast, you were challenging us to to accept the truths of Jesus and like the the your three um, bullet points of things that we should be trying to do this Advent. See what I did there. That is absolutely right. So, yeah, Jesus is the king that gives. So we both receive Jesus and name our Herod like idol kings, you know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion both in. Christian and secular circles about holiday performance anxiety one way or another, wanting Christmas to be a certain way. Are we measuring up? Are we providing the perfect Christmas Mm -hmm. to our family, our kids, and our friends? Uh, Name those Herods as idols. They're going to take from you. You're not going to be fulfilled. And then flip side, Jesus, Jesus gives. And we need to receive what he has for us. Yeah, and I I actually see these as the the things that you're talking about as addressing not only um, Christian culture and our tendencies, yeah. like a Christian audience, but when I interact with my um, non-Christian friends, um, they're actually trying to teach their children these same things. Like yeah. you start off when they're like three and are excited about Santa, but then by the by the time they're my kids' ages, you're kind of like, you're so selfish. Like, you're such a selfish... Like, yeah. you walk into a store, we're supposed to be buying things for your aunts and uncles or cousins. And, like... Yep. And I'm talking about my own kids, too. But instead, they're, like, looking at the stuff that they want for themselves. And, like, you're like, we've already written the list. <laughs> Mom has already bought the Santa presents. Um, Jim, why are you going to the Captain America graphic novels? Right. For, for your... Your Grandma. nephew for your nephew. Well, actually, your nephew would like it. Yeah. Anyway, um, he'd be one of the few. But just that concept of trying to train your kids to like be thinking about others and to not have like these idolatrous like fixations on on one present or another. And then I think a lot of us, um, again, Christian or not, or secular, are are struggling with that post COVID. We've been hunkering so long that. We, we do need to go out and extend ourselves and not bunker um, bunker up. But I yeah, I see bunker that I see that as our culture right now, not just not just Christians, but um, I think it's there's a there's something universal about this call to do these things that you're talking about. Yeah. And so you're saying that Jesus is the reason for the season, so to speak. <sighs> <laughs> yes. And in, in addition to those things, in terms of trying to give more of an application or missional push of the sermon, I, I did spend some time trying to think about how, if in the original context, the Magi were bad guys, and it would have been surprising for readers of Matthew's gospel to see the bad guys doing the right things and being in Jesus' family, 
tried to dig at a little bit how in all of our minds, Christian, non-Christian, politically right, politically left, we do have a category of bad people in our minds, mm -hmm. uh, the, the unworthy folks. Uh, Jesus blows those categories up. And so in this Advent sermon series, we're taking a break from the Genesis sermon series, the Represence Initiative stuff. But, but I do continue to think that one of the things that Christianity, the Christian story and the gospel have to offer to the world is that as I view both the political secular right and the political secular left as they become more polarized, both sides are energized by the other mm -hmm. and energized by villainize, more specifically villainizing the other. Right. So, so you need the bad guys to animate the positive story that you're telling. And Jesus is just wired differently. The, the bad guy is not any person but Satan. Uh, so we don't need to blame each other. And Jesus just blows up the categories of saying, hey, if you want to know who you are, you need to know who you're against. That's how the world says it, but that's not how Jesus does. So we need to open our arms wider and in a different way. Right. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a big challenge you ended with uh, being people of Jesus, people of peace. Right. Let's and do it. There, there are some family gatherings coming up um, for both of us where we can try to practice those same things, too. But it's not just family situations. I also tried to give the example of if you're at a Christmas party and somebody, say, is ethnically or racially di different and just by himself or herself, uh, like, go go strike up a relationship or right. do, do things different this Christmas. If Christmas ain't what it used to be, what if you shake things up and try to get out of your comfort zone a little bit more? Yeah. If you try to understand people who like the Nutcracker. <laughs> they, they, they are my <laughs> bad guys. My my unworthy. There was no singing in this sermon. So moving on to bar band cover tunes. Are we ready? We've talked enough. We are ready. Let's see. You did Game of Thrones, which I, of course have not watched but many Correct. people have <laughs> so <laughs> uh the jesus versus herod uh king wars i don't know whatever <laughs> war of kings was also a marvel comic book storyline involving, involving uh, guardians of the galaxy nova Corps. that sounds fun yeah <laughs> from the early 2000s, I believe. Sounds more interesting than Game of Thrones. I would love those graphic novels, those, om those Omnibuy, but they're way expensive and out of print right now. Okay. Set set Micah on it. <laughs> um, it's the post-Sunday Blues preaching post-mortem registry. This morning I heard <laughs> a Clue reference in your, as I was re-listening to... Um, yeah, did you catch that in real time? Mr. Gregor in his I didn't classroom write with the yardstick? Yeah, that's... It's in your brain. There's things from pop culture that are in your brain. I mean, Clue is not really pop culture. It's oh, it's probably, totally. Is it pop culture, though? It's just like child your childhood, your your 80s childhood. It's come back. Clue? Yeah. I know, but people, it's come back as. Play, play. I know, but it's come back as a nostalgia piece as a, like, for you. <laughs> it is all for me. That's true. <laughs> With a yardstick. Mm-hmm. Um, in the classroom. Yes. Uh, what other references did you have? Uh, these sermons so far in Matthew have been light in terms of other quotes. That hasn't been yeah, a completely intentional thing. Yeah, you referenced yourself, thing. your own high school experience. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and instead of Proust, it was 
anger. You didn't have time for. Right. Didn't have time to quote. I was. I was. Had to streamline everything else. I I pulled a quote from Isaiah chapter forty-seven, a prophetic denunciation of astrologers to try to put some teeth behind the idea that astrologers were bad guys. Also a nice little quote from Augustine pointing towards Jesus having a messy family. Augustine, late 4th century, early 5th century church leader, the Bishop of Hippo in Africa. Jesus then was manifest. Actually, I'm not sure if Hippo was in Africa or not. Strike that. But Augustine himself was North African. Jesus then was manifested neither to the learned nor the righteous. For ignorance belongs to the shepherds of Luke, impiety to the idolatrous magi of Matthew. So whether it's Luke's account with shepherds or Matthew's account with wise men, with magi, Jesus is coming to people whom other people would least expect. Yeah, that's a, yep, that's a good one. Augustine. Good stuff. He's a keeper. Um, any other references? No. Yeah, that Although, really was light. Yeah. Eric Mitchell had uh, Deerland reference. I mean, it wasn't really a reference. It was like a mini commercial, like a sponsor. Yeah. Do you, uh, Are we sponsored by Deerland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so, so we're we're buying or we're paying forward opportunities for foster kids to, to go to Deerland. I've never heard of Deerland. Was that around yeah, it's when? New. No. It's it's it's. No, we didn't have toddlers at the time. What what or, happens at Diggerland? There's like big construction vehicles. We had Diggerland in West Philly, like right outside our window. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of different lands that pop of each other there. Uh, yeah, so you know how like toddlers like to look at trucks, the, yeah. the leaf blower and like excavate. Like, I don't right. know. Josiah used to know all the names of all the different. Yeah, the backhoe. Yeah, the, so that's right. what Diggerland is. Only they're like, you can ride on them and they're not real. They're like rides but uh, i guess diggerland has lights now okay <laughs> go take Josiah. christmas in diggerland <laughs> um leftovers story behind the sermon as i think about i have a leftover as i think about the phrase don't get too comfortable mm-hmm. you could have used um our dating relationship as that i i feel <laughs> like i was trying to teach you that lesson <laughs> every time you would get comfortable i'd try to break up with you yeah well i wouldn't say that it's only a dating lesson it's also a <laughs> marriage mantra at the same time that's true although i think i mentioned some sort of dating relationship thing with you over the past month or so i i don't like keep a spreadsheet of what happened to henderson in the ranking i got tired of it and no, i'm just saying like right if you, if i go through phases. if you kept through kept a spreadsheet then it shouldn't oh. have come up that often right that was in Lubbock. Come back. that was when you were you were like avoiding using springsteen and you were using henderson the rain king so much and i was like you're avoiding Here's using springsteen Bruce. because you don't want to be like connected to springsteen but like i'd rather you be connected to springsteen than henderson and the so rain king yeah you uh, you win some, you lose some. It, it, it was the flowers, uh, the not flower people. Do you remember that when I talked about that a few weeks ago? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think, actually I, in the scripture I'm just sermon. Kidding. So it felt it felt too soon. I'm just to kidding. Go back to <laughs> people like some Please Jim and Emily. Don't don't not, reference not me like every week. Too much Jim and Emily. I I will say that with guitar slim pickings, there was speaking of coming back to being connected with Bruce. There was a a Bruce lyrical allusion wish, during the oh. sermon. I think I caught it, but I don't. Yeah, maybe I didn't because I didn't write it down. Hmm, let me flip through my notes. Nope, don't have it. What was it? So in 
1978's Darkness on the Edge of Town. I guess it referenced Factory from that album a few weeks ago. Uh, from Something in the Night, there, there's a reference to the protagonist of the song reaching out for a moment when everything just feels right. And I used that language when I was talking about wanting those great Christmas moments. So the moment when it all feels right. Touchdown Christmas and thank you, boss. Should I say, and with that. (laughs) No, we still have our encore. I know, I know. I just felt like the moment. Oh. (laughs) Felt like we should end with that. The post-Sunday blues, when the moment is right. (laughs) Okay, Howlin' Wolves. Do we have any Howlin' Wolves? Have people written it? No, Howlin' Wolves are slacking off Uh, a little bit. It's Christmas. They have a long list of things to do. Yeah, put put postsundayblues at gmail.com. Back on your yeah. Christmas list, everybody. We want to hear from you. We also thinking about where where people are listening. We got a hit, our second hit from Australia this hmm. this past week. So if if you're in Crocodile Dundee, if that's you, or you're a spammer who's just trying to like find right. someone to scam. Yeah, and as I think about it, I probably <laughs> just offended whoever it was coming from Australia <laughs> by making the most obvious. Australia reference ever. Sorry about that, mate. Oh my gosh. Can I see yeah. <laughs> So, uh, can I say, <laughs> can I say our ending now? No, it feels like we, we have one last thing. Not really. Right. Review, subscribe. Oh, wait, wait. What? Just, Do you have another announcement? Uh, I, I did get plenty of feedback after the sermon about Mr. Drago. Uh, most people said that they would not have enjoyed Mr. Drago as a teacher. Times have changed. Times times have changed, but he he was a uh, he was your favorite. He he was my favorite. You were his favorite. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Test, test, test. When you pay me, maybe I'll stop winging it. (laughs) (laughs) When do we start monetizing? When do I start getting paid?